This is Hick at Night. Here's Ryan Hickey. Show for you. And we do thank you. We do appreciate you joining us right here um, on CBS Sports Radio. Okay. Coming off of week seven, I do have one conclusion I want to make kind of for the bigger picture, and that's this. The Buffalo Bills oh no, are no longer. Let me start that over again. Holy cow. Just can't speak English here. Kind of a big part of the job. The Buffalo Bills are no longer Super Bowl contenders. They're off my list. They're off my list because their offense is too chaotic. You cannot be a Super Bowl contender in a loaded AFC. Expect to have success in January when a lot of your offensive success comes from broken plays. You can't do it. It's not sustainable. Go watch the Bills play the Patriots on Sunday. You know what I would equate watching that Buffalo offense to this year, but specifically that game? Watching the Bills offense is like watching a fire drill. It's chaotic. It is organized chaos everywhere. Ball is snapped. Josh Allen is running left. Josh Allen is running right. Defenders are flying in. He's shrugging them off, breaking tackles, rolling out, pointing, trying to get guys to cross, throwing across his body 40 yards down the field. That is more times than not how the Buffalo Bills offense is run. And primarily, a lot of their big plays are made off of these fire drill-like escapes. The guy, he's putting on his fire captain hat, he's sliding down the pole, and he's making big plays. But in a deep AFC especially when things tighten up come playoff time. You cannot expect that style of offense, that frantic, off-schedule, broken offense to consistently put up 30 points in the playoffs in order for you to beat the Chiefs or the Jaguars or the Dolphins or the Bengals. You can't do it. Or the Ravens. Not to leave them out. They're a nice win. You can't have... Your offense being at its best when they're off script. And that's exactly what Buffalo is. And that chaoticness, that fire drill equivalent for football is the reason why I'm out. But why, for me, they were a Super Bowl contender coming on in. The roster looks good on paper. A lot of talent. We watch them play through the first seven weeks. They're out. Off the list. No longer Super Bowl contenders in my mind. And a big reason for it, by the way, a big reason for their fire drill nature on offense is their offensive line. It's not very good. Their offensive line is overrated. They get a lot of praise, a lot of credit. But when you actually watch the game, they're not very good at the job they're supposed to do, which is pass blocking. They can't pass block very well whatsoever. That is why Josh Allen is running a lot. Now, look, Josh Allen is not blameless. I am not fan number one of the Josh Allen fan club and will make any and every excuse as to why he's being let down by his team. That's not who I am. That's not what I am doing. Josh Allen absolutely deserves blame for the chaotic nature of the Bills' offense. He he is way too turnover-prone. There's a lot of flaws with his game that I have issues with personally. But in this case... A lot of his flushing out, a lot of his chaotic nature 
is because defenders are getting in there fast or getting in there free and break up the play because the offensive line is not doing their job. And so when you're constantly getting pressured, when you constantly have people in your face and you can't get the snap, five-step drop, boom, throw the ball, like a normal offense is supposed to be run, instead it's get the ball, two steps, oh my God, here's a defender, let me shake him off, let me roll to my right, let me duck under as another defensive guy is coming. Oh, I got a linebacker on my back, let me just shake him off, roll out, run the ball, try to truck a linebacker that you shouldn't do. That is not how an offense is supposed to be run. That's not how a playoff offense has success. Go back to Sunday against the Patriots, which, by the way, not a very good Patriots team this year, offensively or defensively. Josh Allen had 41 dropbacks on Sunday. Of those 41 dropbacks, he was pressured 41% of the time. Basically, a little less than half of the time, a pass play is called He is under pressure. How do you expect come postseason time to have success against a very good Bengals front, a Chiefs front that's looking legit, a Dolphins front that is tough, a Jaguars front seven that is tough and physical, a Ravens front that is nasty? How do you expect to have success on offense and run the offense to your liking and to your schedule When half of the pass plays you are calling, your quarterback is under siege. You can't do it. You can't do it. And that leads to basically backyard football and the scramble drill. And a Super Bowl contender. Their offensive game plan is not scramble drill. Even Patrick Mahomes, for how great he is and off script he is, a lot of the big plays he makes are still on on time. Still, boom, catch the ball, get out, and throw the ball to your specific read. Sure, we see a lot of the highlight plays, him rolling out, extending the play, throwing off, uh, you know, throwing off balance here, contorting his body, throwing across the body uh, 50 yards down the field. It's insane. But that's not how every play is designed and or drawn up. It wouldn't work. That's why guys like Johnny Menzel never worked. That's where he that's the only way he had success at Texas AM and why he won the Heisman Trophy. He was off script the whole time. Catch the ball to me, run around and see what happens. No rhythm, no flow, no script to the offense. You get to the NFL, what happens? You get crushed for that. You fail running that style of offense. And so that is what the Bills are doing, again, in large part because their offensive line is not very good. Their offensive line has let them down. That leads to Josh Allen running around, trying to make plays, trying to be a hero, which doesn't actually work. And that's why for me, when you look at right now this loaded AFC, when you look at how the Bills are playing football, and you look at how the offense has looked primarily through seven weeks, They're not a Super Bowl contender. They're off my list. Through seven weeks, they are off. They are two all or nothing. The structure is gone. That is not sustainable. That is not what a Super Bowl caliber offense looks like. The chaotic chaotic nature, the fire drill, 
Bill-esque offense, style of offense, is not how you win games in the NFL. And not how you be on the short list of Super Bowl contenders. So 855-212-4227. 855-212-4227. And Ryan underscore Hickey and the number three on Twitter. Am I being too harsh with the Buffalo Bills? Do you think the Bills still will be fine? Still will be Super Bowl contenders when it comes playoff time? Are you jumping ship like I am? Are you watching their play, seeing how their offense has success and say, well, you can't do that for 17 games. You can't expect come playoff time to win three games or four and get a Lombardi trophy running that style of offense and asking Josh Allen basically again, be a fire captain in a fire drill to get things going here. Can't do it. Am I being unfair towards the Bills? Are they still Super Bowl contenders in your mind? 855-212-4227. 855-212-4227. We go to Michael in Tampa. Hello, Michael. What's up, Hickey? How you doing? Good, buddy. We're doing good, man. What's on your mind? Well, speaking of your point, the Bills for three years have absolutely neglected the run game, which puts Josh Allen in this Superman position that he simply cannot handle. You look at every good offense in the NFL, with the exception of the Chiefs, they rely on the run game. Shanahan, McDaniels, Mm -hmm. the Eagles, without actually solidifying a run game, this Bills offense will never be able to get it done. I was big on James Cook at the beginning of the year, but he's not able to be the bell cow. That offense needs to take the pressure off Josh Allen. Make a good point, Michael. And that goes back to my offensive line point. I appreciate it. It's like where if you can't pass block, which the Bills can't, and they struggle opening up holes to where the Bills can run the ball consistently, that, again, goes back to, as your point, and you're 100% right in saying it, why Josh Allen is asked to be Superman. Why Josh Allen is asked to put the, you know, t- the entire team on his back in terms of throwing the ball and running the ball is in part because the offensive line can't pave the way to get a consistent run game established, which now all of a sudden most games you become pretty one-dimensional pretty fast. And now all of a sudden defenses are able to tee off on you and able to slow you down because, again, they don't really fear the run. So it's a lot easier to defend this Bills offense when you do know what's coming and you are aware of, oh, well, they can't really run the ball, so we're going to dedicate a lot to slowing the pass down. That's a problem. And another problem is when you look at this Buffalo offense, yes, Josh Allen right is a threat with his arm and his legs. Obviously, we know Stephon Diggs is one of the best wide receivers in the NFL. But you quickly look down the list right now for Buffalo, right? If Allen is option number one in offense, Diggs is number two. Who's number three? Who was that third threat defenses are truly worried about? Gabe Davis has four touchdowns through seven games. Not bad. Okay. But just 22 receptions. You worried about a guy that averages three catches a game? Who tends to disappear in a lot of games now has earned the nickname Big Game Gabe. In part because of having some long touchdown receptions in some big games, but from a game to game basis, is not reliable, is not consistent. That's another problem with this Buffalo offense where it's a scramble drill. It's Josh Allen be the hero. It's all oh, run out, break tackles, have this offensive line not block well for you. 
And then outside of Stephon Diggs, it's like, well, who else is there to make a play for you? There's not a lot of reliable answers. There's not a lot of, oh, yeah, James Cook. Well, not featured a lot. Oh, Dawson Knox, Dalton Kincaid. Shakir. Like, there's some players. No one reliable. No one the defense is worried about outside of Stephon Diggs. That's another reason why it's concerning because when you're, again, just running around, fire drill, panicking, defense is not worried about any game breakers outside of, again, 14. Stephon Diggs. Makes it harder to operate the offense and harder to have success. So you look at Buffalo's loss to the Patriots on Sunday. Sitting there now at 4-3 and in the season. I mean, that solidifies them off my Super Bowl contender list. When I look at the AFC, Chiefs, Dolphins, Jaguars, Bengals. I'll still put the Bengals on there, giving them the respect they deserve. That's it. Four teams. Four teams right now in the AFC. Buffalo is off. Are they off your Super Bowl list? Is Buffalo, in your mind, still a Super Bowl contender? If the answer is yes, I want to know why. 855-212-4227. 855-212-4227. Again, Ryan underscore Hickey and the number three if you want to shoot me a message on Twitter. When we return, week seven is in the books. So I want to kind of go back here and look at the week that was and hand out some week seven awards, including we have the award, and we'll tell you the winner, for the WTF moment of the week. We'll do that when we return. It's Ryan Hickey with you right here on CBS Sports Radio. This is Hick at Night. Here's Ryan Hickey. Ryan Hickey here with you on CBS Sports Radio. Welcome. Appreciate you making us a part of your Tuesday right here on CBS Sports Radio. Make sure if you missed any part of the show, very easy to catch up. Hick at Night Podcast, night spelled N-I-T-E, where all of the hours of this show uploaded to one podcast feed so you can listen and hopefully enjoy not hate listen, it all counts the same, uh, at your listening convenience. All right, we are talking Buffalo Bills. Are they still a Super Bowl contender in your mind? Coming off the brutal loss of the Patriots, sitting there 4-3 and three on the season right now, would you say right now through seven weeks, the Bills are still on your shortlist of teams that could win a Super Bowl this season? My answer is no. They were on the list coming into the season. Now through seven games, they're off. They're off because their offense doesn't have any sort of rhythm, any sort of schedule, doesn't have any sort of organization. It is a mad fire drill. Everyone running around, scrambling to make a play. Sometimes it works. Sometimes you see the highlights on SportsCenter of a dazzling play by Josh Allen. But is that sustainable? Can you put up 30 points in a playoff game playing that sort of style? My answer is no. And that's why I don't think right now the Bills this year are built or equipped, despite the roster you see on paper, of winning or even being in the conversation to win a Super Bowl. How about yourself? 855-212-4227. We go north of the border. Talk to our friend Adam. Hello, Adam. Hey, Key, how are you, buddy? Uh, Adam, now that I'm talking to you, man, I'm doing good. I'm doing good. 
So you know I'm a big Bills fan. You know that we've had our disagreements on Josh Allen. Look, you are 100% right, man, but you're failing to mention one thing so Ooh. far. And um, that's, uh, that's Ken Dorsey, our dud of an offensive coordinator, man. Here, let me tell you Ken Dorsey's special offense for our top three, top five quarterback. You ready? Here it ready. Is. Throw a check down, uh, run an ineffective run play, and then it's third and eight, and it is, uh, okay, Josh Allen, do something crazy. Hickey, I saw a stat the other day that in third and four or shorter, we are the best team in the league in converting third downs. Hmm. The problem is, is that all we do is throw check downs and throw these little and do these little run plays that are ineffective. And tell me why, Hickey. Tell me why I have not seen Dalton Kincaid up until last week, our our tight end that we that we traded for to yep. get to get in that draft. Man, I didn't notice him the first six weeks of the season. All of a sudden, I see him now. It's like. What are we doing? Ken Dorsey isn't even half of what Brian Dayball was on offense, man. And the problem is that Brian Dayball would tell Josh Allen when he's doing something wrong. He would sit down and tell him straight up. I don't think Ken Dorsey has, has the cojones to do that. So what, he, he can slam his notebook down and almost try to break the camera, but he can't tell Josh Allen, hey, don't make that throw? Jeez. It, Adam. It, Hickey, it, it, it's a inept offense, man. It, it, it's terrible play calling. And you see it. You see it in the fourth quarter when we have to come back. It's these big Josh Allen throws, and he's making them. But through the first three quarters of the last three weeks, between the Jacksonville game, the Giants game, the Patriots game, it is slow offense. It has no rhythm. We need more no-huddle offense, first of all. It, it just there's, there's just no rhythm to the game until the fourth quarter when everyone's panicking. We realize we're down by 10 to a pathetic team. And then it's yeah. like, all right, Josh Allen, work your magic. And it's just, you know, I know I get what you're saying about the offense line, but there's injuries there. It's still not good. But, I mean, ever since Ken Dorsey got hired, man, I have not been a fan of the guy. You're the guy right about that, Adam. You know what's offense. concerning really fast to throw you away is, I don't know if you saw it this week, Ken Dorsey was basically asked at his press conference the involvement of Sean McDermott and basically didn't deny that Sean McDermott has input and influence on the offense and maybe not the play-to-play the -play, play calling, but on the philosophy, Sean McDermott, very conservative coach, right? Defensive coach. That's concerning if your defensive-minded head coach is having a big influence on how the game is being called and how the plays are being called uh, for your offense coordinator. It's, it's, it's insanely concerning, man. And I hope they sat down with everybody. I hope they had an in-team meeting or something this weekend. And, you know, just like we got to fix it, man. Because if this keeps up, we're going nowhere. And we're going nowhere fast. And, I'm glad that it's still early, and I'm hoping that we've hit rock bottom, but it, it, it's it's not looking good, man. It's just it's inconsistent offense. It's slow. It's it's quite literally painful to watch, and it sucks because Josh Allen's a top-five quarterback, man. I don't think anybody's going to debate that. and it, it just seems like we're wasting his prime. Yeah, I think you're right. By protecting I, him. Adam, you're 100% right, and it's frustrating. I appreciate the, call, uh, appreciate the call, but it was good talking to you. And it's like you look at it, and it's just like this offense, like you said, like you just said before, rock bottom. Rock bottom should have been week one against the Jets. Look, that's a good defense, right, New York has. Four turnovers, and you hand them the game with Zach Wilson, who's afraid to throw the ball more than a yard down the field, and you literally hand them the game because of turnovers and a special teams touchdown. The Jets had no business being in that game even if you only scored 14 points, you are still or should have still won that game. But because of Josh Allen's recklessness, amongst other things, and the panic on the offense is why all of a sudden you found yourself in a dogfight. And then all of a sudden why you find yourself losing 
on national TV to a Jets team where the entire air was taken out of their balloon in week one, four plays in when Aaron Rodgers uh, ruptures his Achilles and is out for the year. That should have been rock bottom. That to me is also concerning the fact that we are now talking about week seven and they still have yet to hit their rock bottom and still have yet to correct the problems that have right now so far plagued them. David is calling from Buffalo. Speaking of the Buffalo Bills. Hello, David. Hey, Ryan. I appreciate taking my call tonight, man. How's it going? It's going good, buddy. It's going good. What's on your mind? How are we feeling? Uh, yeah. I mean, as a Bills fan, man, uh, I've been better. Um, yeah. You know, I, I think to me coming into this year, there were a lot of questions about, you know, McDermott. Uh, the fact that he got that contract extension, which I didn't agree with, he became the defensive coordinator as well. How many times have we seen a head coach try to be the def- or the general manager and the head coach? He can't do that. How can you do both the defensive coordinator and be the head coach? I don't like that at all. Um, and I, I think overall, to me, they've never developed an offensive line in a running game since he's been there. I mean, to nope. me, the running game is, is atrocious. Um, you know, Josh Allen, to me, I don't know if you're watching the uh, Sunday night game between Philly and Miami, but at halftime, they talked a lot about the Bills. Jason Garrett, McCourty, and uh, Chris Sims and Maria Taylor did, and they were all talking about the Bills. And basically, it's Josh Allen creating backyard plays, making plays up out of, out of the dirt pretty much, right. and finding digs, and that's the whole team. Right. Um, to, and, and Chris Sims was saying this a couple years ago with uh, Florio on their old show that used to be on uh, – when they had the NBC Sports Show, and I said the same thing then. They don't. I mean, now with knocks out, they don't have a tight. I mean, Kincaid is young. There's so many questions with this offense, and to me, the defense now with these injuries, the tackling was horrendous. Um, it's frustrating, man. I feel like this team, to me, is a. I, I think they need a new coach, honestly, because McDermott, to me, I think might be hard to work for. You've seen different coaches come and go. Um, you know, Dayball and him. I don't know. There's friction there. Um, and I, I just think overall, to me, if, if I was if I was Terry Pagula, the owner, the end of the year, I would be like, you know what, we're going to go out and if, especially the Bills don't go any further in the playoffs or they miss the playoffs altogether. All right, I'll eat McDermott's contract. I'm going to go out, maybe Jim Harbaugh, maybe an offensive coordinator, maybe it's somebody like Kirby Smart if he wins three national championships in a row. You call him. You got to think outside the box here because this is the if you open this job up, Ryan. I was thinking about this the other day, and I know him ranting a lot here but the no, let it out, David. Come the, on. Be- the bills the bills job would be easily the best job if you opened up all the jobs that i thought might be open this coming season or off season so to me the time is now alan's still in his prime he's young enough i just want to hear your thoughts man i know i'm letting it fly here you know kind of off the cuff man but i'm frustrated no i david i appreciate the frustration you have every right to be and and thank you for kind of letting it rip here you're right and i think you hit the nail on the head a lot of the issues you talked about, a lot of the issues Adam in Toronto who just called before you talked about were the same. Lack of a run game. It's Josh Allen or nothing. It's the same backyard offense that where it's run around, make a play. Oh, there's Stephon Diggs 40 yards down the field. Let's see if we can hit him. Oh, we can. Great touchdown. If not, well, now we're looking at third and 10 here. We can't convert. The Bills, too, for too long have been all or nothing, in part because they can't run the ball consistently, in part because they asked Josh Allen to be their primary passer and runner as well. And that all goes back to, like you said, a lot of these same issues persisting year after year. You can change offense coordinators. And they definitely took a step down uh, when Brian Dayball left and now replaced him with Ken Dorsey. You could change offense alignment. You could change wide receivers. You could change tight ends and bring some in. 
A lot of the same issues have persisted now for Buffalo. They've tried changing their running backs. Nothing has, in terms of getting an established run game or consistent run game, nothing's actually changed for the positive. It's all been the same. And I think now you look at the two constants, Josh Allen and, and Sean McDermott, you are not moving Josh Allen. So you got to move Sean McDermott at the end of this year and try to bring in an offensive coach, bring in someone who can actually get some sort of semblance of a run game, take some pressure off of Josh Allen, and get some structure to this offense. Again, you can't be a functional playoff team and expect to compete for a Super Bowl when your offense is reminiscent of a fire drill. With everyone running around, everyone panicking, running around like a chicken with their head cut off, and trying to make a play. That panic, that lack of structure, that backyard football-esque style is not consistent or not sustainable in terms of winning three or four games in January. And that's the biggest problem here for the Bills. They can do it enough in the regular season to get them to the playoffs, but you've seen a lot of their early uh, exits, especially in 2021 and 2022. It's been problems. Generating offense, getting stops on defense, getting a, a, um, a run game established. And if you're the Bills, I think you have no choice but to fire Sean McDermott, without a doubt. Fire Sean McDermott, start over, bring an offensive mind in here, and try to have that be the answer, the key that finally unlocks Josh Allen and consistency in this Buffalo offense. Because Adam in Toronto said it before, and he's right. Right now, the Bills are wasting Josh Allen's prime. They are spinning their wheels. They're a playoff team, but not a Super Bowl contender at the level that they should be right now with a talented receiver, a talented quarterback, talent on defense, and this overall roster construction that even in the deep AFC is still pretty solid. All right, so 855-212-4227. I said we teased it. I apologize. We'll get to it when we come back here. The Week 7 NFL Awards, including the WTF moment of the week from week number seven. We'll do that. When uh, we do return here, it's Ryan Hickey with you. This is Hick at Night. Here's Ryan Hickey. Ryan Hickey with you here on CBS Sports Radio. Let me tell you, I love college football. College football is my favorite sport. I love it more than the NFL. love it more than MLB, NBA, you name it. In part, my love is for what I'm seeing right now in my Twitter timeline. It is Tuesday, right? Last time I checked, Tuesday, yes, the 24th of October. Right now, or or I should say not right now, earlier this morning, in the city of Jacksonville, again, on Tuesday, you have RVs and campers rolling into the parking lots, getting ready and getting their spots for Florida, Georgia on Saturday. It's Tuesday. RVs rolling up, camping out all week to get set up for this game. That is college football. This is that is the only sport you will see that. It is the best. It is the best. Where in some cases, in some cities, for some games, it is not a just oh a weekend event. Oh, we're going out to you know watch our favorite team for the weekend. Maybe make it a long weekend. We'll go out there Thursday for the game Saturday. Oh no no no, we're going out there Tuesday. We're bringing the RV. We're getting our spot. We are making sure. We are planting our flag that we are here all week. That is the best. God, college football is the best. That's the latest reason. Tuesday morning, Georgia fans and Florida fans rolling on in to get ready for Saturday's game. 
at the biggest or the world's largest, I should say, cocktail, outdoor cocktail party in Jacksonville. So cool. So cool. Speaking of also cool, NBA season underway. The banner is hung. The rings were worn. Now we got basketball. Nuggets just celebrated their finals championship by raising the banner at home, getting their rings. And now we have Lakers Nuggets tipping off the 2023-2024 NBA season. 16-10 right now. Nuggets beating the Lakers. Really fast here before we get to the Week 7 NFL Awards. I do have, as the NBA season obviously is starting tonight, four teams, I think, and only four teams, can win an NBA title this year. In the East, Bucks, Celtics, Heat. That's it. Bucks, obviously, right? You get Damian Lillard paired with uh, Giannis. That is the best one-two combo in all of the NBA. Celtics are deep as hell. Still a believer in the Jason uh, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown combo. And the Heat. Look, Heat may not be as talented as the other two teams, but damn it, come May and come June, they win. Two finals appearances the last four seasons. Three conference finals appearances the last four seasons. Who am I to say this team is not a finals contender? They always play their best and find a way to win in the playoffs. They have earned the right to be included in this list. So four finals, or four teams, I should say, that I think can win the finals in the NBA NBA this year. That's it. In the East, Bucks, Celtics, Heat. In the West, it's just the Nuggets. If Denver's not back in the NBA Finals this upcoming June, I'll be shocked. Shocked. They're a great team. Outside of Bruce Brown, no disrespect, only lost him. Otherwise, the entire team is back in their form. And look around the rest of the conference. Who's scaring you? Suns? I like Kevin Durant a lot. I root for Devin Booker's success. Don't think the Bradley Beal addition was the best addition they could have made. I think it's a lot of same pieces. And the thing I'm worried about is no depth. That was their problem last year. It wasn't high-level talent. They had no depth whatsoever when KD and Booker were not even struggling, but just having okay, decent games. No one else could bail them out and play well. That's a problem. I don't think they added enough depth in Phoenix as they should to be a, a finals contender. Lakers, LeBron and AD are too old and too inconsistent for me to believe that they will make a finals run and win a championship. Clipper, uh, Clippers never healthy. Warriors, I just don't think, are talented enough anymore. I think they're older uh, on the wrong side of 30 and slowing down. Kings are good. I like the Sacramento Kings, but not at a championship level just yet. Pelicans, I got to see it before I believe it. Right? I got to see Zion Williamson be able to stay on the court and healthy for 65 games and be on the court come playoff time for them to be taken seriously. Mavericks have Kyrie. I mean, need I say anymore? Kyrie Irving in the playoffs? No way. Not believing in that team. And the Grizzlies, frauds. Frauds in the playoffs. Look at the West. It's Denver's. It's Denver's for the second year in a row. So as we're underway for this NBA season, Nuggets right now over the Lakers, 20-16 to midway through the first quarter. I think right now just four teams we could circle and look at going into this season that can win a championship. In the East, Bucks, Celtics, Heat. In the West, the one and only Denver Nuggets. Okay, it is a Tuesday. Week 7 is in the books. So I figure now that I'm with you right here, I want to give you a little Week 7 Ryan Hickey 
NFL Awards. Thank you for joining us on this big, prestigious awards ceremonies we do get set here. Kind of look back on a week that was in week number seven and applaud and or jeer those who have performed well or embarrassed themselves in the latest week in the National Football League. Let's start with a positive. The most impressive performance from week seven. The committee has voted the winner for player for most impressive performance is Ravens quarterback Lamar Jackson. I'll give Lamar a lot of credit. I was on this network last week. I believe it was Wednesday off the top of my head. And I questioned the Ravens and their philosophy of becoming more of a pass-first offense and, you know, going away from what Lamar did well. Let me tell you, Lamar made me look like an absolute fool. He was incredible. 21 to 27, 357 yards, four total touchdowns, carved up what is an improving Lions defense. He was great. He was tremendous, and he deserves the award for the most impressive performance of week number seven. On the opposite, the biggest flop from week number seven. The committee is voted. As we open up the ballot here, the winner is for biggest flop. The Buffalo Bills defense. Defense. I know the offense stunk. But to the the Bills' credit, fourth quarter down by 10. They scored two touchdowns to take the lead. And Buffalo, up by three, one minute, 58 seconds left in this game. You allow the second worst scoring offense in the New England Patriots to march 75 yards down the field in one minute and 46 seconds to win the game. I don't want to hear about injuries on the Bills' defense. You cannot allow an inept Patriots offense to carve you up like a turkey right down the field and win that game. That's embarrassing. Sean McDermott, as a um, defensive-minded coach, should be ashamed of himself. He saw his defense do that. That's the biggest flop here, week number seven. The WTF moment of the week goes to Falcons head coach Arthur Smith. Look, I am as perplexed as anyone when it comes to B. John Robinson's usage from Sunday. Here's what I don't understand though. Right? Forget about the fact that he was not on the injury report and barely used. Here's what I don't get. So Bijan Robinson, in case you were unaware, was dealing with headaches. Saturday night didn't feel well. Sunday morning they lingered. So he is dealing with a physical ailment, right? What I don't understand is he was healthy enough to play 11 snaps but not healthy enough to get more than one carry. And that one carry came with 30 seconds left in the game when you are driving to kick the eventual game-winning field goal. If he's too sick to play, the headaches prevent him from playing, I get it. Okay, fine. No problem. Stuff happens, right? Things develop. But what I don't understand is you could put him in the game for 11 plays 
and feel, okay, he's good enough to be on the field, but for the first 10 of those plays, not give him the ball, and then, I mean, you're in field goal range-esque, so it's not like you're with the game on the line per se, but I get with the game in the balance, you are now giving him the ball with 30 seconds left? What are we doing? He's either healthy enough to give him the ball earlier in the game, or he's not. That was, again, WTF moment of the week. Arthur Smith, congrats, buddy. That better be on your mantle. That better be on your mantle. All right. The next award. The thank God the refs aren't full-time because they blew a call that should have been so easily trained to see that they missed that gave a game uh, to a team that did not deserve to win. That award goes to the Cleveland Browns. And as a Colts fan, there is no bias here. But let me tell you. What an absolute joke the end of the game was by the referees. Illegal contact on what should have been the Colts strip sack to win the game. Egregious. If that's an illegal contact call, then you can't play defense in 2023. And then, two plays later, the ball is thrown in the stands. Somehow, pass interference is called. Pass interference involves a level of catchability. You have to be able to catch the ball. The ball was thrown so far out of bounds. If you had Elastigirl from the Incredibles, right? The one, the the wife whose arms and legs can stretch out as far as she needs to. If she was on the field playing for the Browns on Sunday, even she couldn't extend far enough to catch that ball on Sunday and still have a chance to make a play in bounds. Yet, pass interference is called absolute joke. Honorable mention for this award, by the way. Pittsburgh Steelers. That spot on the Kenny Pickett tush push was egregious. Absolutely egregious. The Rams were robbed. The fact this wasn't able to be reviewed as a joke. He is clearly a yard short, marked incorrectly, and the Steelers luckily walk out of L.A. with a win. Ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. All right, that'll do it for the Week 7 Awards here. I appreciate you all for coming in. appreciate the committee for voting and giving your feedback here after what was a very interesting week number seven. I want to go to the phones quickly here just to – got to talk about it. I have not brought it up so far the first hour and a half of the show. I'm a Penn State alum. They got their tails whooped on Saturday by Ohio State. Here to remind me about it is Harry in Arizona. Hello, Harry. Hey, sir, how are you? Uh, doing terrible, Harry, doing terrible. Yeah, well, look, first of all, <clears throat> I'm not going to call to completely rub it in on you because neither one of our teams played well. Our offenses both sucked. We just, our, our team happened to get, a, get luckier in the end, towards the end of the game. We got some, got some good plays at the last, at the last minute to, to come out. But I just remember how, how you were just so sure of yourself. Yep. That, and I remember telling you, because even Zach brought it up, he goes, you know, I, he read it because I said, you know, you need to cool, cool it down just a little bit there, pump your brakes. You have, you know, and I, 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 I love the fact that you're a man, you know, that you're willing to admit, you know what, things just didn't quite happen the way they, that you thought You know were, why, Harry, I, I was so confident? Because, damn it, this was the year. This was the year they were going to break through. They had, going into this game on paper, the better quarterback, 
the healthier running backs, the better offensive line, the better defensive line, the better linebackers, the better defensive backs, overall better health. And you go into this game where your defense shows up and plays great and your offense does not come ready to play. Your offense is scared. Your offense is conservative. They are disjointed. They have no timing whatsoever. They were not ready to play. And everything negative said about James Franklin in a big game came to fruition on offense uh, on Saturday. It is infuriating. This was supposed to be the year. You're right. But I do want to – I know you're coming up on break here, but – your thoughts, because I haven't had a chance to hear you until, just, until I just got in my car here recently, but um, my mindset right now going through the rest of this year is, personally, I think that Team Up North needs to be disqualified from the playoffs no matter what happens. The rest Harry, so I got to run. We'll get to that in 20 minutes. 20 minutes more about the Michigan cheating scandal. When will you come or when we return? It's a Talk It Out Tuesday, including are the Dolphins frauds? We'll discuss next. It's Ryan Hickey on CBS Sports Radio.